Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, my name is Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck it is you end up listening to this. Me? I'm doing okay. Work's been kind of stressful lately, and I've been kind of daydreaming about other careers that I might like. And I came up with one that I think I'd actually be pretty good at. So I'd, I'd like to bounce some ideas off you guys. And if there is one very specific listener out there who happens to think that I would be qualified for this job and is hiring, then, you know, get back to me at ttwasteland.gmail.com. So the job that I think I would be pretty good at, that I've got some good ideas for, is I would like to be the life coach for Steven Dorff, the uh, actor who played the antagonist in the film Blade. So if you're Steven Dorff and you're listening, here's some suggestions that I have for you. Okay, first, consider having a few shirts made up that you can wear that say, no, I'm not Skeet Ulrich. Because I think that would clear things up for a lot of people, specifically me. B, maybe start spreading the rumor that you are the son of Dorf from the Dorf on Golf video series. And then when people question you about it and bring up the fact that that is a fictional and likely offensive character created and portrayed by the comedic actor Tim Conway, then you get a shocked look on your face and say, Dad was lying to us all those years? But he taught us so much about fishing and golf and life and then hum cats in the cradle to yourself as you sadly walk away. I think that'll create a lot of pathos around you and kind of generate an air of mystery. Did he really never notice that his dad was just wearing shoes on his knees? Keep him guessing, Stephen Dorff. That's what I always say. And third, if you're ever feeling a little bit glum and like nobody has recognized you in a while, just go down to the docks and start unloading some boxes from boats. After a little while, I bet one of the longshoremen will come up to you and say, Hey, do you have a license to do that? Are you a stevedore? And you can say, Yes, yes, I am Stevendorf. Thank you. Anyway, I've got a lot more great ideas for Stevendorf, the actor who played Deacon Frost in the movie Blade. But that's all you get for free, Stevendorf. If you want the rest of my expertise, hit me up at ttwasteland at gmail.com. I'll be awaiting your offer. And now, without any further ado, let's, uh, do this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Devin Tuhey. There are more words for synopsis. Of that, I am quite confident. In early modern England, they would call it the argument. Thanks, Devin. That was fun and informative. And I just want to drop a quick note. The issue that we're about to cover, both in the synopsis and the conversation with Corey, does deal with the topic of suicide. So if that's something that you don't want to hear about right now, I totally understand. It's weird to cover a fundamentally goofy comic book that deals with a really serious topic like this. So if our tone seems off, or if you think we fuck up the conversation around the topic, please let us know. 
our intent is to entertain, but I certainly don't want to be insensitive to any of our listeners out there who are hurting. And if you are struggling right now with depression or with uh, suicidal ideation, um, I would really urge you to reach out and, and talk to somebody. Like I'm sure a lot of you, I have lost friends that I wish I had not. The phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. And there's really not a good segue from that. So, Defenders number 50, August 1977. Who remembers Scorpio, part three? Scorpio must die. Written by David Anthony Kraft. Drawn by Keith Giffen. Inked by Keith Giffen and Mike Royer and John Tartaglioni and Dave Cockrum. That's a lot of inkers. Lettered by John Costanza. Colored by Don Warfield and edited by Archie Goodwin. Defensive lineup. Valkyrie, The Incredible Hulk, Hellcat, Nighthawk, and Moon Knight. Previously in The Defenders. After Doctor Strange, Luke Cage, and the Red Guardian tendered their resignation, Kyle Richmond, a.k.a. Nighthawk, assumed that as the only rich white guy left, he was the Defenders' new leader. The authority assuming affluent avian aficionado moved our titular non-team's base of operations to the abandoned riding academy on Long Island he had purchased some 30-odd issues ago to hit on Valkyrie. What a creep! Unfortunately, the gang's relocation to a more rural residence proved not to be a smooth one, for no sooner had Val, Hellcat, Kyle, and the Hulk arrived at their new non-headquarters than they were attacked by a crimson-clad crumbum named Scorpio. Scorpio, a.k.a. Jake Fury, the supervillainous sad-sack sibling of S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury, was an astrologically adept asshole who had stumbled across a cosmic doohickey called the Zodiac Key, which allowed him to teleport, turn himself into water, and probably do some other cosmic nonsense as well. Neat! The Vermilion villain had stopped by because he wanted to talk to billionaire do well bird enthusiast Kyle Richmond, but was confused to instead be confronted by a quartet of costumed crime fighters. The inevitable scuffle ensued and Scorpio fared poorly, so the surprise star sign supplicant fled, shouting as he did so that the defenders ought to inform the apparently absent Mr. Richmond that Scorpio would be in touch. Duly noted. Nor was Jake the only member of the Fury family with questionable taste in company, for across town Nick Fury was tracking down Jack Norris, the estranged ex-husband of Barbara Norris whose body was the current host for the sorcerously created persona of Valkyrie. Nick had just shot Jack in the head with a non-lethal laser. Hooray! And was about to take the matrimonially-minded meathead in for questioning. But before the Cyclopean secret agent could cart off his canubially confused quarry, the arrest was interrupted by the unexpected arrival of Moon Knight. Not having met Jack Norris, Moon Knight objected to Fury shooting him in the head with a laser. So the Lunar Luminary swooped down to the rescue and helped Jack escape. Norris requested that his new benefactor take him to the Defenders so that he could yell at them and angrily demand their assistance. Moon Knight complied and managed to track down Valkyrie and Hellcat, but soon after Norris belligerently delivered his plea for aid, our heroes received another request, in the form of a FaceTime call from Nick Fury, asking that they hand over Jack Norris as a matter of national security. After pretending to think about it for a second, Val and Patsy opted to side with the world's top law enforcement official, rather than the truculent asshole who kept insisting that Val is his wife and yelling at her for not loving him. Good call! Or was it? Because the Nick Fury who our harried heroes turned Jack Norris over to wasn't Nick Fury at all. 
It seems that years ago, Scorpio had swiped a robotic doppelganger of his depth perception deficient brother from S.H.I.E.L.D. and reprogrammed it to do his bidding. Oh no! Although to be fair, if it had been presented as a choice between the supervillain's reprogrammed fraternal robo-butler and Jack Norris, there's still a pretty good chance the ladies would have stood by their initial decision. Suspicious that shenanigans might be afoot, Moon Knight followed the facsimile Fury and his prisoner to Scorpio's secret lair. He fell in a death trap, but quickly escaped. Hooray! Meanwhile, back on Long Island, Kyle received a call from Scorpio demanding a $500,000 ransom for Jack Norris's release. Kyle's love of fiscal irresponsibility narrowly outweighed his distaste for Jack, and the petulant plutocrat reluctantly agreed to pay. The next morning, after creepily watching his female non-teammate sleep for a few minutes, the wealthy wastrel put on his Nighthawk duds, grabbed one of his briefcases with half a million dollars in it, and headed to the agreed-upon rendezvous point. When he arrived, rather than handing the money over, Nighthawk attempted to attack Scorpio. So, the Scarlet Supervillain decided to add to both his coffers and his growing collection of entitled assholes by first taking the money, and then kidnapping Kyle as well. Whoops. Once back at his secret New Jersey hideout, Scorpio offered his unwilling guests some cans of Schlitz and engaged in some standard supervillainous exposition. Scorpio was of the opinion that society was dumb and bad. Fair enough. The misanthropic miscreant bemoaned the fact that he was middle-aged and felt like an outcast who would never fit in. So, he concocted a two-pronged plan to address this issue. Stage 1. Build a machine that can create new life forms based on the 12 signs of the Zodiac who will do his bidding. Stage B. Drink beer, listen to old records, and whine to his captive audience. Across town, the rest of the gang had pieced together that Scorpio had kidnapped both Jack and Kyle, so they decided to get their rescue on. Well... Most of the defenders decided that. Hulk decided to take the day off and go steal some picnic baskets in Central Park. Hooray! Unfortunately, the rest of the non-team wasn't as fond of Hulk's plan as I was, so they decided to poke and kick the Green Goliath until he got angry enough to chase them to Scorpio's lair. Dick move, defenders! When his alarm system warned him of the hero's approach, Scorpio panicked, and although he had concerns that it wasn't ready yet, he pushed the button to activate his mad scientist monster lab. Er... Zodiac Machine. By the time Hulk had chased Moon Knight, Hellcat, and Valkyrie to New Jersey, and Kool-Aid manned his way through the walls of Scorpio's base, the bellicose behemoth found himself face-to-face with several newly minted super-beings who introduced themselves as... The New Zodiac. Gadzooks! Where exactly did stockpiling entitled jerks fit into Scorpio's plans? Isn't the name The New Zodiac already taken by a children's program about a boisterous frog and a demure southern hippopotamus? And now that Scorpio has built himself a bunch of new pals, are things finally looking up for Jake Fury? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so he said something about needing the ransom money to build the Zodiac machine that he already built, but I think he just wanted someone to exposition at and offer beer to. No, that's the New Zoo Review, not to be confused with Zoobly Zoo, the home of the terrifying parrot lady. And no, no, they certainly aren't. An enraged Hulk stares down Scorpio and his new allies. Figuring that he has a few seconds to kill before the Jade Giant starts smashing the shit out of everything, Scorpio asks his new pals to introduce themselves. Let's meet the new Zodiac! Leo is a belligerent asshole. He has sharp claws and is strong. Hi, Leo! 
Sagittarius is a pompous jerk who has wolverine hair and shoots arrows out of tiny crossbows he has strapped to his wrists. Hello, Sagittarius. Aquarius is a chill surfer dude who has long blonde hair and dresses like Robocop, but with a giant super soaker strapped to his back. Hi, Aquarius. Taurus is a stocky, impatient, bald dude who shoots weird metal harpoon tendrils from his arms. Hi, Taurus. Gemini is two dudes who can merge into one dude. He has trouble making up his mind slash minds about things. He dresses like a black and white cookie with a metal mask. Hello, Gemini. Cancer has a big, shiny, brass, crab-shaped robot suit. He seems like a jerk, but his symbol does look like a sideways 69, so that's fun. Hi, Cancer! Ares has terrible posture and a metal ram mask. He wears a torn purple shirt and likes to run headfirst into things. Hi, Ares! Libra is a weird ghost man. He likes to turn intangible and talk about justice and stuff. Hi, Libra! And that's everybody. Wait, that's only eight people. If we add in Scorpio, that makes nine. I'm no Gene Dixon, but I'm pretty sure there's more astrological signs than that. There should be some kind of a goat man and a fish person and maybe, I don't know, like a cowboy or a, a hedgehog or something. The point is, I'm almost certain there's more than nine. When the introductions are done, Scorpio does the same rudimentary arithmetic that I just did, and he starts freaking out. He seems especially concerned that Virgo isn't there. Virgo! That's the one I was missing. The virgin. Well, I guess a cowboy or a hedgehog could also be a virgin. Oh, who am I kidding? Hedgehogs love to fuck. Everybody knows that. Scorpio turns himself into water and splooshes away to look for his missing chums, leaving the rest of the Zodiac to attack the Hulk. The Hulk starts smashing the assorted astrological antagonists. Then Moon Knight, Valkyrie, and Hellcat pop through the hole in the wall and decide to get in on the act as well. Everybody fights everybody. Well, I guess almost everybody fights everybody. Aquarius and Libra decide to sit this one out. Libra, because the sides seem uneven and he's all about balance and Aquarius because he thinks Scorpio is an asshole. Fair enough. Val whoops on Leo, who is a creepy misogynist jerk to her. Hellcat fights Gemini, who seems conflicted about, well, pretty much everything. Moon Knight tussles with a tempestuous Taurus, and Ares sneaks up behind a distracted Hulk and knocks the Emerald Avenger through the wall and into the nearby Passaic River. Bad move, Ares! If there's one thing the Hulk hates more than everything, it's being damp. The Hulk bursts back into the hideout like a damp dreadnought and starts pounding the crud out of the horoscopic hooligans inside. Hooray! He tosses Taurus through the ceiling and stomps off in search of Ares. Aquarius pulls out a lawn chair, cracks open a beer, and sits back to enjoy the show. Nice. In a different part of the hideout, a forgotten Kyle Richmond struggles against his futuristic bonds. His high-tech shackles seem secure, but while they might be more than a match for a man with the strength of one strong man, or even one and three-quarters strong men, the sun has just set, granting Kyle the nearly unfathomably stupendous power, the strength of two strong men. Straining with all his might, Nighthawk breaks free and heads towards the sound of battle. Evildoers beware, you are about to face a guy with the might of a guy who has a friend with him. Meanwhile, Scorpio has made his way back to the Zodiac machine in search of the missing members of his star sign squadron. 
Oh, there they are. Let's meet them. Pisces is a fish man who is dying because Scorpio turned on the machine before it was done preheating or whatever. Bye, Pisces. Oof. Capricorn and Virgo didn't even survive as long as poor Pisces did. Distraught, Scorpio clasps Virgo's lifeless hand and gives a tearful rant about how even though he never got to meet her, Virgo was his one last chance to live a normal life. And now she's gone. Weird. Back at the epicenter of the superheroic scuffle, Hulk is still tearing the joint apart in search of the sucker-punching, or rather sucker-headbutting, Ares. Little does the vengeful verdant one realize that his ovine adversary is sneaking up on him with the intention of once again ramming him from behind. Just before the horn-having hunchbacked hoodlum strikes, Nighthawk swoops in and gives Ares a taste of his own medicine, driving his head into the ground. Hooray! Reunited, the defenders turn to face their remaining foes. Hulk punches Cancer through the floor. Hellcat knocks Leo into the death trap that Moon Knight had previously escaped from. But before the feline fuckwit has the chance to similarly escape, Gemini abruptly switches sides and hits the button that activates the deadly device, killing his recent teammate. Hooray! Nighthawk tricks Ares into running into Aquarius, who is just drinking a beer and minding his own business. Fucking Nighthawk. The billionaire former criminal who gets stronger at night then enlists the aid of Moon Knight, the other billionaire former criminal who gets stronger at night. Together, the two tycoons team up to trounce Ares. Hooray! Val beats up Sagittarius, but the agile archer manages to escape through the hole Hulk had previously Kool-Aid manned into the wall. Then Kyle drops a computer on Taurus's head, which, seeing as it was the 70s, probably killed the belligerent bovine bad guy. That leaves the only unaccounted for member of the Zodiac, Scorpio. I mean, unless I miscounted and there is a hedgehog cowboy sign after all. No? Fine. There should be, though. Deep in the depths of his hideout, Scorpio sits despondent with his robo-butler brother and listens to a record of Judy Garland singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. The dejected do-batter discloses that he could use his Zodiac key to teleport away and escape, but what would be the point? He would inevitably fail again at his next endeavor. The Nick Fury robot tries to cheer his pretend brother up, but Scorpio is defiantly inconsolable. He orders the facsimile of his fraternal foe to hand him his pistol. The Nick Fury bot tries to resist, but is unable to overcome his programming. With tears streaming down his face, Scorpio takes the pistol from the conflicted automaton's outstretched hand. As Moon Knight and Jack Norris are about to burst into the room and apprehend their astrological adversary, they hear the sound of a gunshot. Upon entering, they find the Nick Fury robot alone in the room, with the lifeless body of Scorpio, a smoking gun in his hand. They theorize that the robot must have short-circuited and murdered Scorpio. The robot does nothing to disabuse them of this notion, but when Moon Knight asks aloud whether anyone will miss a maniac like Scorpio, quietly and apparently despondently, the robot answers that he will. Damn. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am fine. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Pretty good? Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. High praise indeed. Nice. So, speaking of pretty good, not to uh, lead to witness, but what would you think of this comic book? Well, I did witness it, and I thought it was also pretty good. Lot to talk about. Got fucking intense there, man. Oof. Did not see that coming. I did not see that coming either. 
I can't think of another time when this particular subject has been broached in a comic book that we've covered. I mean, a little bit in the DN Agents ripoff comic, but that was, it was a little bit different. It was painted at least as like a heroic noble self-sacrifice, right. kind of. Yep. I'm going to jump on the bomb. I mean, it wasn't exactly that. I felt like in that one, there was more like a suicidal ideation to the teenagers, the way they were acting in that. But even that was not painted in the way that this was. How did you feel it was handled? What did you think of this, the story culminating that way? I thought it was pretty powerful. It made me think a lot about stuff that you hear, you know, in current media about people that are, you know, ways to, to better yourself and to do well in the world, whether it's personal stuff or business stuff or whatever. There's a lot of focus on not blaming things going poorly on external forces mm -hmm. and that sort of a thing. And that's what we see Scorpio do through this whole thing to a degree that is actually pretty stupid and ridiculous. Like when, you know, his Aquarians, if that's what we call them. I think that would be specifically if they were all Aquariuses, they would be called Aquarians. Oh, his Zodiacians? Zodiacians, sure. Or uh, Star Signers. So he fucks up and he brings them to life too soon and then, and then Cancer and Virgo die. And Pisces. Why are you always forgetting about I mean, Pisces? Not Cancer. Pisces and Cancer. I get those. Not as, yeah, water signs. it's three of them. Just oh, don't make right. it out of the maturation. It's Virgo and Pisces and Capricorn, I think. Capricorn, yeah. So when that happens for at least a couple of them, he's like, how could you do this to me? And like, they didn't do that to you, asshole. You did that to them. Anyway, the point is, he's just blaming all the shit that's going wrong. And it culminates in him being like, fuck it. I'm going to shoot myself. And yeah, I was, ouch. So that's what's happening on the surface. You had asked a couple of episodes ago what had happened to Scorpio in the army. Yep. Where he had had a negative experience. It shows him... Having something happen, it looked like while he was in the shower. Mm -hmm. And it's never explained in the text, and it isn't really specifically explained in the backstory. And I said that I would rather talk about that at the end of the storyline. Yep. So, a listener brought this to my attention. David Dottie wrote me an email and told me about this interview that was done with David Kraft a couple of years ago in a very difficult-to-find magazine. Not that it's rare or anything, but here's the, here's the difficulty when you are looking up this particular issue of the magazine. It is issue 65 of Back Issue magazine. Hmm. So when you look up Back Issue interview with David Anthony Kraft, you learn that David Anthony Kraft started a magazine called Comic Book Interview. <laughs> Oh. So when you're looking for a specific issue of a back issue that is an interview with somebody who started a magazine called Interview. Down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Bottom line, I was able to find references to this and reviews of this article. I have not actually read this article. But in the interview, what he reveals is that it was his intention to have Scorpio be homosexual. Mm. And once that is revealed it makes certain other elements of the story make a little bit more sense and be a little bit darker and really more problematic and kind of muddies how I feel about the story a little bit. Mm. So his intention was to have Scorpio be a character who was really conflicted about his own sexuality and that part of that was him attempting performative masculinity in the drinking schlitz and really wanting to do male bonding. Mm-hmm. 
part of that was him having negative experiences in the army when he is forced to shower with other men and confront his sexuality, and him reacting to that really strongly and negatively, and also how he talked about, no, Virgo, you were my one chance, that he was going to create this virginal woman who he could then have a, quote, normal, unquote, relationship with. And we see him blaming external forces for everything that's happening in his, his life. And so he was theoretically, I believe, supposed to be blaming women for him not being attracted to them. And so then he was going to create his own perfect woman. And then he wouldn't have to confront aspects of himself that he was uncomfortable with and unwilling to accept. Mm. It's an interesting story. I said it's problematic, and it, it is on its surface for some of the reasons that the way that he coded Scorpio as being gay is very much through the lens of a 1970s heterosexual man mm -hmm. in terms of, oh, uh, you can tell because he likes to listen to Judy Garland records mm -hmm. and, you know, like things like that. And the other aspect of the story that's really troubling is one that you still see in a lot of media, which is if you have portrayals of gay people, they often end with them dying. Mm. Even if they are supposed to be portrayed as sympathetic characters. And whether Scorpio is portrayed in a sympathetic view is kind of debatable. I mean, he's definitely a supervillain. And when you do have coded queer representation, at least in media when you do have it it's usually like historically been villainous characters and so that's not great and there is also having him die at the end almost seems like like when you would have the Hayes code in old movies where if you would have somebody engaging in what was supposed to be immoral activity then you would have to show them facing the consequences. So there's an aspect when you see a gay character die at the end of a story, or a character who's being coded as gay, then is the authorial intent supposed to be, and then that's what happens when you do that. Like, this is a, a form of justice almost. Which is really disturbing if you think about it on that level. Mm. I don't know. Uh, wh what do you think about that? I agree it's disturbing when you think of it on that level. Right. Yeah. But I, I mean, mean, just overall about the, the idea that that was how he was coding the character. And did you read it that way at all? No, not really. I d but, you know, now that you point that out, I could see it. But yeah, no, I just thought he was kind of struggling with middle age and right. that he, sort of a thing. But he mentions his age being 52 a number of times. Including right before he... Yeah. Commit suicide. Now, do you think that's supposed to be because he's trying to say he's a real card? 52 cards, I guess. That's it. what I'm uh, saying. Is that good. maybe part of what it is? That's you know? too complicated. Oh, a real joker. Wait, nope, that would be 54. Jokers aren't the... Uh, oh, because there's two. They're, yeah, there's two of them in addition to the I, 52. Yep. So he's Whoa. not a joker. Math and humor. <laughs> I am a total package. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Oh, man. I feel like whenever we're dealing with, you know, gender stuff or race stuff and, and now add sexuality to that in these comics that were and people will probably have similar conversations about the comics that are going on now, you know, 20, yeah. 20 or 30 or 40 years in the future. But yeah, I feel like even though the the writers when they're they feel like they're doing a really good job yeah because they're doing stuff that's maybe at that time was a little bit would be viewed you know, as progressive yeah or, yeah but in retrospect you're kind of like ooh, 
cringy. Yeah. It's tough. And especially with stuff like this, because from a censorship point of view, you couldn't come out and say what he was trying to imply with the characters. It really muddies the idea of authorial intent. Like, because all of this stuff is coded, we don't really know what his feelings were on it or what he was trying to say because he felt that he couldn't come out and just say it. Mm -hmm. And so it creates a number of different readings for it. And whatever his intent was behind it, I mean, depending on which school of criticism you ascribe to, may or may not be relevant to how you read the story. But I don't know, it it makes it cloudier, you know? Yeah, agreed. Cloudy. Mm-hmm. With a chance of meatballs. That's nothing. That's the name of a, a popular children's book and movie. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little reference for you. Sure. A call back to something. Yeah. From some time that I read once when he was a kid. Haven't actually read it even. Oh. <laughs> yeah, when I can't think of an actual joke, I just do free association. Yeah. I think that's just as good. It's just, like, you know, making like some mouth jazz. Jazz, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Improvising. Improvising. Yeah. Because you're a pro. <laughs> Well, I was just emphasizing different syllables because, right. uh, yeah, it's a callback to my slam poetry days. Oh, no. <laughs> you didn't, did you? No. Because I got to see those tapes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Patreon folks, if you haven't signed up yet, when we reach a million dollars in donors, <laughs> I will do a slam poem. <laughs> I will record it. Video and all. Okay. A million bucks. Here we go. It's interesting because, honestly, the things that make this a more complicated, nuanced book, I think were not the things that were Kraft's intent, necessarily. What I think makes him a more interesting character, especially if you are going to read him as a queer-coded character, are the non-stereotypical elements that I think were introduced a couple of issues ago when Don McGregor was helping with the dialogue that I don't know if he was privy to Kraft's idea about it. I would I would love to read more about this, and I'm going to try to find that very difficult to Google. Back issue thing. interview. Yeah. Yeah, boy, that adds a whole nother wrinkle. Yeah. So, let's talk about astrology. Okay. So, we meet Scorpio's new team that he has created. Mm-hmm. Did a bad job creating them. What did you think of the Zodiac? I thought they were pretty fucking goofy. Especially Gemini. I really liked Aquarius. <laughs> Aquarius is one of my favorite characters who has been introduced so far. So most of what I know about astrology, I have learned from Harvey Sid Fisher songs. Sure. From this comic book. Mm-hmm. And from the movie The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. I'm two, I got two out of three. Okay. Well, so together, I think we could probably be considered astrological experts at this point. So we can write our own like horoscopes for people now, maybe make that a part of our side hustle till we get that million dollar donation for me doing some slam poetry. I like it. So let's go through the different zodiac signs and see what we know about them. Just kind of pool our knowledge based on... I feel like he kind of blindsided me here. I would have done some research. <laughs> But, okay, based on the comic book... Uh, Research is the hobgoblin of small minds. So, based on the comic book, 
the movie The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, which is what I'll be bringing to the party. Okay. And uh, the Harvey Sid Fisher songs. What do we know about Aries? One for all and all for me, please. I am Aries. So, all for me, please. Ego. Right. Like to run into things with their head. Stubborn. Oddly focused on the moon. He threatens a few times to send the Hulk to the moon. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time it seems like an idle threat, but then when he follows it up with, yeah, so say hi to the man in the moon, it's like, okay, no, I, yeah, we I, got, a, I got it. He's got a hunch back of sorts, mm-hmm. so he can hunch over and sure. do his head button. Right, snappy dresser. And uh, that's Ares. Taurus. Talking about the Taurus, talking about the bully, bull, bull. Bully, bully. Prone to headaches can shoot sharp things out of his arms right like a ball can do <laughs> right yeah oh yeah i'm saying he would i'm sorry yes like a bull can do that i wasn't saying he's likable he doesn't seem particularly likable i do like though that like the way that he tries to get out of the battle when it starts not going his way is to <laughs> sit down and just be like my head hurts you guys <laughs> yeah that does not work out for him because then nighthawk drops a computer on his head a, like a serious 1980s Big one. 70s computer. Oh, even. 70s. Even bigger. Yeah, the yeah. best they had. Gemini. That's the way of a Gemini. We learned that Gemini is the inspiration for Motley Crue's Theater of Pain. In many ways, yes. Uh, also, possibly the inspiration for black and white cookies. Yeah. Yeah, delicious. When your Gemini gets separated, you gotta jump back in head first, butt out. To your host body, which I guess was just sitting there vacant the whole time? Yeah. Or like when they just back their butts into each other, do they just form a new dude? Yeah, that part's a little... I think we gotta do more research. Little iffy. Uh, If you're a Gemini, you have snappy dialogue. Like, self-styled schizophrenia is my specialty, Leo. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's alright. You might switch sides mid-battle, because you're at constant odds with yourself over reason and intellect. What do we know from the Harvey Sid Fisher song? I think there was, like, a cowgirl that was dancing around, so you'll probably wear a little cowboy hat. Oh. The only ones I actually remember are Cancer and uh, Aries. Those are good ones. Shit, so all I have to go on is this comic book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? There's a lot in here. Yeah. A lot of pearls of nuggets. Wait, pearls of knowledge. Pearls... Pearls and nuggets of knowledge. And wisdom. And wisdom. From yeah. the stars. See? You're, you're natural at this. Yep. Cancer. I am a moon child. Moon child. Right. Sign of the moon. Handle with love. Mm-hmm. And also maybe why you should handle a cancer with love is because they are a walking armory. Kind of like a juggernaut of uh, steel and weapons and sharp pincers. Yep, nice uh, golden color, very snappy mm-hmm. armor. Looks like a robot, but inside, probably human? Yeah, I guess. You're a Cancer, right? Yeah. I'm... And we've established that you're a human man from Earth, as well, we both are. Of course. What so even if you think that be... Cory might be a robot, judging from his exterior, he is not human man from Earth. Yeah, through and through. Yep, so that's what we know about cancers. Okay. Leo. I'm a loving Leo lion. Leo is hard to get a read on. Seems like a real dickhole. Sharp claws. Sharp claws, misogynist. Yep. Real jerk, real ferocious, got poison. I I mean, if you're listening and you're a Leo, uh, I'm sorry, we're just going on a few texts here. But uh, 
Really seems like you're a real asshole. Big hair. Good hair. Really big, good hair. <laughs> really big, good hair, but... Jerk. Mi- jerk. Jerk. Yeah, misogynist jerk face. Yeah. With big, good hair. Yeah. Tough. I just, as a sidebar, I know we got more of these guys to get through, but I really wanted to see Val hand him his butt. The way that fight ended was less satisfactory, too, because yes. I really liked the way that fight ended. Mm. You know what? Let's just talk about it. Okay. So, Val started kicking his ass, and so he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to fight Hellcat instead. Mm-hmm. He goes to fight Hellcat. He starts kind of whooping on Hellcat. Then he goes for a big leap at her, and she manages to move aside. She ends up doing one of those, like, a, almost like a Pele kick, and gets him to jump headfirst into the... Oubliette of Doom. The Oubliette of Doom that had barely failed to uh, Doom Moon Knight earlier. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, ah, fuck this. Let's find the phrase, because, like I said, I really want to cement this astrological case for Leo being an asshole. He really puts the ass in astrology. <laughs> Here's where I leap in for the kill, Hellcat, and you die with a whimper. And then he falls in, and she's like, ha you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, no one makes sport of me. When I get out of here, girl, I'll flay your flesh from your bones with my bare talons. Dang. Guy's a real rum tum tugger. Oh what? Uh, it's from the musical Cats. This is a rum tum tugger. He's a real asshole. Oh okay. He's always wanting to go outside, but then he doesn't want to go outside. Well, and like you cats. give him, you give him some cream, and he's like, "Nah, fuck you! I don't want any cream." And and then some, and then he's like, "Why didn't you give me any cream?" And you're like, "I thought you said you didn't want any." Mm-hmm. That's rum tum tugger. Guy's an asshole. So like all cats. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he's in the oubliette of doom, and then Gemini just rolls up, and it's like. Yeah, fuck you, Leo. And he pushes a button and uh, kills him to death. Mm-hmm. You didn't like that? I liked that, but what I wanted to see was Val beat him up. Yeah. Val does a pretty good job with her fights in this. Mm-hmm. She is not ultimately victorious in any of the fights. Yeah, she's not ultimately victorious, but like she is underestimated by her foes and then overwhelms them to the point where they're like, I'm not fighting you anymore. So I think she does a good job. Maybe doesn't get to make the kill move, but still pretty good. Mm. Virgo. 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 Virgos are probably dead. Yeah, they don't. They don't make it. They don't make it. That's what we know about Virgos. Do you remember anything about the Virgo song from uh, Harvey Sid Fisher? No. Virgo. Virgo. Uh, no, that's not a song. Virgo. So, judging from their name, Virgos are a seafaring people. Huh? They like, eh, this sounds like a foghorn. So, you know, like if you're out in the bay, you might hear a Virgo and their siren song, Virgo. Okay. So, that's what we know about Virgos. Okay, mostly dead. Mostly dead. Slash, slash seafaring. <laughs> Libra. Lib, lib, libra, lib, 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 I see myself in others' eyes. Libras are teetotalers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't want to drink. Would cloud its judgment. Don't party. They're like a justice ghost. Mm-hmm. You can't touch them. So probably MC Hammer would be a uh, Libra. Yeah. Because he likes justice and Proper. not being touched. Proper. Scorpio. 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 We know they don't get along well with Aquariuses. 
usually uh, spray tan from the nose lot, down, lot of, chest lot of, up, nose down, spray right, tan. Right, they like to drink Schlitz. They will have a whip, oftentimes. Judy Garland. Ju- they like Judy Garland and uh, Edgar Varese. And uh, they tend to blame external forces for their own failings. Mm-hmm. That's Scorpios. Whew. Harvey said Fisher hated Scorpios. Oh, did like, he? I feel like that was like the meanest Did he song. say all that shit too? The whole Scorpio song is just like, you've probably heard what asshole Scorpios are all the time, but that's not me. That must be a different Scorpio. I don't know where you heard that. Man, I got some, some listening to do. It's been too long. So. Mm. Sagittarius. I'm a Sag. I'm a Sag. I'm a Sag. He seems like a real Frasery dick. Really likes the sound of his own voice. Yeah, really full of himself and also good at archery, like Fraser. Yeah, that also confused me, though, because he doesn't have a bow and arrow. He has, like, he shoots stuff out of his He's hands. He's got, like, arm darts. Yeah. That's not archery, is it? Technically, don't you need to have a something with an arch on it? I think maybe he has got, like, a mini crossbow. You would think it would need an arch. I mean, I guess a crossbow's got that little arch. They barely, there's just not even, it's barely the suggestion of an arch. It's like he has little, like, mustaches growing out of his wrists. So you heard it here first. Corey thinks that crossbows are for idiots. If you're doing crossbow shooting, that's not archery. Those are bolts, not arrows. You're a real chump. Corey Whitney says, no crossbow (laughs) can harm me. (laughs) You heard it here first. Uh... (laughs) Bad for archery. Bad for comics. Crossbows. That's right. I forgot about your uh, celebrated city council run against crossbows. It was, you know, a hot button issue. I understand. And certainly you had my vote. But I will say, credit where credit is due, crossbows made a very good councilman. Yeah, well. I was surprised too. He had the whole, like, Walking Dead fan base. Yeah. And everything. More of a consensus builder than I would have expected. Yeah, who'd have thunk? Yeah. Capricorn. I was born a Capricorn. I was born a Capricorn. I was born a Capra. I was born a Capra. I was born a Capricorn. Ah. Capricorn. The goatiest of all. Is that the goat one? It's the goat one. It seems like overkill to have a goat and a ram. Mm. Doesn't it? Well, a ram, isn't a ram like a kind of a sheep? Yeah. I mean, they both got horns. They're both they farm have, animals, kind of. The ram, does it doesn't have creepy eyes like a goat, right? It has normal eyes? No, no. They have clear, beautiful eyes. Yeah, okay. Unlike a goat. Yeah. yeah. Less devilly, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Capricorn is, mm, probably likes to eat tin cans. Um, also, dead. Mm-hmm. Dead and likes to eat tin cans. That doesn't sound like a great, great person. Nope. nope. So, uh, thumbs down for Capricorns. Yeah, definitely. They'll Sorry. Eat your flannel shirt and pin you to a fence when you're a kid, and it's freaking terrifying. Uh huh. And they got those creepy eyes. Uh huh. Maybe we should come up with a new animal for Capricorn, because we've got like There's so ram many animals. We've got bull. Uh huh. And then we've got goat. That's three horned animals. I feel like that's too many. Probably um, a beaver. Oh yeah. Industrious. Tasty butthole. Nice big tail. <laughs> nice big flat tail. Yeah. All right, so Capricorn from now on is the beaver. You might want to put in a note for people that are just tuning in for the first time. 
who don't know about why you said that about the beavers, but... Oh, because as scientists and Corey know, <laughs> beavers is... got the tastiest buttholes. There's a... Uh, oh, chemicals. There's a chemical called castorium that is a natural flavoring that is used to make things taste like vanilla, strawberries, or raspberries, and it is uh, it comes from beaver buttholes. Mm-hmm. So, so, Capricorn, the beaver... Tastiest button the zodiac. Mm-hmm. Aquarius. I am an Aquarian. 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 I gotta say, from this, Aquarius is pretty rad. He's got like a, I guess, a water tank and a squirt gun. Like basically a super, super soaker. Kind of a like surfer vibe. Like, long blonde hair, and just wants to kick back, chill out, have a brew, and enjoy what's going on. Yeah, just watch people fight, man. Seems like a pretty chill guy. Aquarius is my name, and water is my game. Yep, that's that what, what he says. says when he first shows up, and then later on he's like, Oh man, this seems like a real drag. I'm not gonna get involved in this fight, and then Libra's just like, Yeah, you just don't like Scorpios. I'm a justice ghost, goodbye. But like, even Libra, even like... The kind of diffident justice ghost that is Libra is like, you can come with me if you want. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah. Well, he does have that kind of McConaughey kind of charm. Yeah, he just seems kind of chill. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, no, I'll come. I'm just going to, you know, kick back, have a couple brews and uh, watch this uh, super fight mm-hmm. first. But yeah, man, I'll probably be over later. Sadly, he's not over later. No. Nighthawk tricks Ares into running into him and I think killing him. <sighs> Ares. Sorry. What kind of idiot? He's like, hey, look out, man. I can't stop running towards you. <laughs> that doesn't happen unless you're on a skateboard or something. That well, he's like, got really that much forward momentum. That's the thing about Ares is we have like this, just this kind of forward momentum and we can be kind of stubborn and often we will kill people by running into them with our heads. You're a Cancer, right? That's a water sign? Yeah. And Aries is a... Um, Fire? Air? A grass type. Because it's a ram. So they're... Or like a ruminant? They're strong against electric types. Oh. And um, really the best. So mm-hmm. that's Aries. Sorry, we doubled back Aries. a little bit. Aries. Pisces. Now, Pisces, I know a lot about. Not a lot. We don't learn a lot from this comic book. What we learn from this comic book is that they hate dying. They're over it. He's the only dying one that we actually hear from. And he's like, what the fuck, man? But we also know that they are the best at basketball. And they will thrive in a situation in which they are put on a basketball team with other Pisces, especially if one of them is Dr. J, and another one is Setshot Buford, and another one is Meadowlark Lemon. In a situation like that is where a Pisces will really thrive, and will, with the help of the team owner, Jonathan Winters, defeat the L.A. Lakers. Mm. And that's Pisces. Like Eddie. Eddie mm-hmm. the Otter. He was probably a Pisces. He was almost certainly a Pisces. Eddie. Eddie. Man, I would love to see that movie. Huh. There's nothing in the rule book that says an otter who's constantly blowing himself can't be on an NBA basketball team. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good movie? 
might be hard to pull off, but if you did it right. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, you need, to, you need really to have the right people behind it. Uh, who would you have play Eddie? I don't know, maybe uh, like a young Vincent... Price? No, uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah, I think he could maybe He's versatile. pull that out. Do you think he can blow himself? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, don't want to do stunt you... casting, but like, I mean... Well, how do you tell from looking at somebody if they can know. do that? You know? I get, like it's uh, Marilyn Manson and Eddie the Otter, the only two examples I can think of. Do you think Marilyn Manson could play an otter? I don't think he could. I don't think so. I think you I might have to CGI off. it. Definitely is not going to look natural. Oh, uh, Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, it was right there in front of us the whole of time. Of course. And that's been Astrology Corner. <laughs> there are some other things that happened in this comic book. Oh, that's true. One of the things that kind of threw me for a second was Hulk gets super pissed at Ares. Well, understandably. But he gets pissed and he starts yelling at him and calling him Hornhead and saying he's going to track down Hornhead. That threw me for a second and I thought I was like, oh, that's a really fun touch. He sees a guy in a red suit. He thinks it's Daredevil. I thought he was chasing Scorpio around because he thought Scorpio was Daredevil. But no, he meant a different Hornhead. I feel like there needs to be some kind of economy of nicknames that people use. Like, not everybody who has horns can be Hornhead. Because like we just discussed, that could have applied to three of the people that were on the Zodiac team. I mean, at the time that this came out, Capricorn uh, had not been rebranded as a beaver yet. I don't know. I think with the Hulk, it's it's like a, it's a natural language for him, and it's it's context-based. So it's like, uh, like languages that don't have a plural forms you just have to pick it up from context yeah mm. it's only one hornhead there no that's not true daredevil's not around no but taurus is around aries is around those both have horns on their head oh they do both have horns Corey. in the comic book those guys had had head horns he didn't have a head horn i think we were supposed to imply he probably had them somewhere else <laughs> so they're just <laughs> come on man it's the hulk uh, he's not gonna be like oh yeah he's probably got a hidden horns let's call him horn head all right, fine. I just, wanted, some I just wanted him to think that Scorpio was Daredevil. Because, like, we always see Hulk described as being dumb, but he doesn't really seem to be often written that way. He just will use different language. And so I liked the idea of him being confused and thinking, like, ah, that fucking Daredevil's attacking me, and having them have to be like, no, that's Scorpio, that's a different guy. So, I don't know. I was disappointed. They're so different. Even, I, even I, know that. Is not, I know that. I know that. I thought it's not like thing. he's like Fine. got superhero blindness or something. Doesn't everybody know? Like, isn't like face blindness pretty common in I thought comic that books? only occurred with the populace, not the heroes. Oh, uh, you must be right. So we have talked before about how David Anthony Kraft will substitute a phrase that has profanity for a different phrase that does not have profanity, but also does not make sense in its non-profane form. Uh, for example, Page it's six. time to spit or get off the spot in yeah. a previous issue. Or in this issue, tough ditty said the kitty. That's not a thing. It's tough titty. It's hard for cats to sing, though. What? Ditty. It's like a song. Okay, there is a whole musical <laughs> that disproves that notion. Actually, I was just telling you about the Rum Tum Tugger. I forgot that about Those it. cats, they sing their little hearts out. Yeah, I, I chuckled. I had a chuckle at that as well. I was pretty sure he meant titty. Yeah, I mean, there's not 
another i even like i looked it up and i was like tough and it was like the internet didn't know what the fuck i was talking about when i typed in the phrase tough diddy which is unusual it really is normally it's just like oh you mean one of these 50 different things Mm -hmm. and it's just like nope i got nothing that's not a phrase what are you doing i have a very judgmental internet yeah it's probably i should probably switch from yahoo (laughs) (laughs) they're really trying to rebrand themselves They're kind of the uh, Dick's Last Resort of browsers. Mm -hmm. One of the other fun things that was in this issue is we have a full-page cutaway of their non-headquarters. I thought it was pretty sweet, and I love that they give Aragorn has a whole, like, giant area to himself just to hang out and eat grass. Well, I mean, it's basically they converted his house to their facilities. Like, if you lived someplace and then you get some roommates moving in... That's still your place, you know? Mm-hmm. He lived there before they did. I like that he gets a lot of space there, too. I also liked the little floating heads that show many of the Defenders, past and present. I started to say all of them, but I noticed that it left one person off. There's no Black Knight on there, which I thought, good, because, you know, fuck that guy. Jerk. Who's the little dude? Is that the Adam? That's a Yellow Jacket. Remember, he teamed up with them a bunch of times, Hank Pym. Oh, that's Hank Pym. Yeah. And I like that they included Howard the Duck mm-hmm. because this, this did come out after the Howard the Duck giant size issue, which means that the Howard the Duck adventure is Defender's canon, which I hadn't been totally sure about. It seems like it takes place in kind of a different world with different rules, but uh, I like that the Defenders fought the Master of the Mundane and that going forward, that is canonically what happened. So... Nice to see Howard the Duck's face pop up there. Nice to see all these faces from the past and the present. One thing that's maybe not so nice, we see the artificial tree that has a video camera in it. Mm -hmm. Now, it lists that as artificial tree, monitoring drive via electric eye. Really looks like that camera is pointed inside the house to their living quarters. It's back to the Kyle's creep. It's back to Kyle being a fucking creep. It really looks like. Ladies. Sleep in your costumes. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love cutaway scenes of headquarters. It's always fun when I see that. It reminds me of, like, the handbook to the Marvel Universe or the who's who in the DCU when they would have the the pages where they show the secret bases and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's it's fun. I like that. It also does include just some weird touches, like, and then there's a hidden sliding panel, and it labels it, and... It doesn't say what it's a panel to or what it leads to. I think that's just a side door. Mm-hmm. I get that you gotta kind of gussy things up when you're talking about a superhero place, but it's a sliding glass door. It, it's just a it's just a side door. Oh, I thought there was a window. <laughs> what does it call it? The uh, concealed sliding panel. Mm. It's a fucking side door. Yep. So that was fun. That was fun. That was. Maybe one of my favorite things as a kid oh, uh, to yeah. see where those, like, the, the base information. I would just pour over pages like that. Mm-hmm. Same deal if there's, like, the map at the beginning of a book, something like that, you know? You can go back and try and reference it to find uh-huh. out where they're at. Yep. Uh-huh. It's still fun to do. I don't know. I find it sometimes frustrating. I remember that in some of the, the Lord of the Rings hmm. books. You know, like Misty Mountains, which I don't know where the fuck these guys are. The, it's a very um, vague map. Yeah, the uh, Marshmallow Swamp. Huh? Yeah, you know, like the Lollipop Forest. Like, how is he going to get the fucking ring through the Marshmallow Swamp? Like, the Marshmallow Swamp is way closer to Mordor 
than the Gumdrop Mountains. That's what I'm saying. It's a vague map. Mm, yeah. One does not simply walk into the Marshmallow Swamp. There was a fun team-up moment between Nighthawk and Moon Knight, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the idea that there was this recognition of the similarities of their power sets, and to see them each pick up one of Ares' arms and just kind of drag him around, and then do some synchronized swimming moves together. Synchronized air swimming moves. Synchronized flying. Double zoosh and a zap. Yep. Pretty good. Not bad. 9.8. Yeah, the double zoosh and the zap. No. I'm going to give it an 8.5. I do feel that I have to deduct a few points. We see that Moon Knight has a slightly uh, longer zoosh than Nighthawk. I understand it is a minimal difference, but we really have to be specific when we are judging synchronized air swimmers of this caliber on an international stage. That's a harsh judgment, man. They got different means of propulsion. Well, also, I did have to take a few points off for Nighthawk being an asshole. Ah! Rick, would you mind singing us into the minutia? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Cory, what was your favorite sound effect? Oh, boy. There was some pretty good ones in this book. I mean, we already talked about the twin Zooshes. Yep, so that's that's out. I mean, I did point out they are fraternal twins, not identical. We have a slightly longer Zoosh from Moon Knight. I liked the first time that Ares rams the Hulk out of the building. To the moon. To the well, He doesn't make it to the moon. He falls into the river. Into the Passaic. And it makes the noise... Kabunt! Kabunt was pretty nice. Pretty good. I had that one as well. Uh, I also had when the Hulk bops Cancer on the head and drives him through the floor. It makes a noise. Bomp! And I thought bomp was really fun. I had a bomp as well. And uh, yeah, I had those two and the zooosh. I think Kabunt is still my favorite. I, I, I am in agreement. I think Kabunt is the clear front runner in this. But also just because I don't know how it works as a sound effect, but it looks funny written as one. The noise when a Nighthawk smashes one of the bad guys, it makes the noise scram. <laughs> I liked that too. Like, that doesn't make any sense, but it's a funny word. <laughs> I, like, I thought maybe he was just yelling at them to scram after he hit him in the head. Mm. Corey, what was your pie not made out of steel? What words in this issue did you enjoy, much like you would enjoy a pie, were it not? made out of steel so my pie not made out of steel is moon knight on page 10 addressing taurus and referring to him as a slow-witted slob Mm. which is a i think it's a good diss pretty good yeah and i think accurate and that's another thing we now know about tauruses they're slow-witted slobs Mm. That seems a little harsh. It does seem pretty harsh. Let's just say Tauruses are not like hung up on fastidiousness. Or just don't ask one to clean your room. Yeah. Don't ask a Taurus to clean his room because it'll clean your clock. Oh, yeah. I remember that's a children's book, I think. Yeah. If you ask a Taurus to clean his room, he'll clean your clock. It's a weird expression. Clean your clock? Yeah. It means to get like punched real bad. Right. I don't know where that comes from. It seems like I wonder if it's like from like delicate process. Yeah, you'd think maybe just like 
clock tidiers were a notoriously rough and tumble bunch. Could be. I wonder if it's honestly maybe that, like, in cartoons, when somebody gets punched, little birds fly around their head. Mm. And, like, maybe, like, a cuckoo clock has to be well-maintained in order for the bird to come out. That's probably it. That's probably it. Those old-timey sayings were really complicated. I had a few choices for my pie not made out of steel. Along your lines of uh, choosing an insult, there was kind of a one-off thing that Hellcat says early on, which doesn't seem to be directed at anybody in particular, but there's just a lot of fights going on around her, and she just kind of yells apropos of nothing, NUMSKULLS! I love it. She's awesome. Hellcat cracks me up, man. She's pretty great. But yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. I think my favorite words in the comic, though, might be Valkyrie. She's beating up Sagittarius, and then he just starts running away. Yeah. He runs through a hole in the wall and says, I'd be a fool to risk my own freedom just for a chance to punch you in the mouth and shut you up. And Val responds, We shall meet again, Sagittarius, and you may be certain of it. And then we shall see who strikes whom in the mouth. So swears the Valkyrie. That's a a pretty good zinger. That's a pretty good speech. Yeah. She talks good in this issue. She talks good, she fights good. I think she did a good job in this issue. Speaking of which, who was the best defender? Who was the worst offender in this issue? I had, for my best, the Incredible Hulk. Hmm. I thought that he did a good job. Uh He was willing to destroy the whole factory to get to Hornhead. He was not, in fact, Daredevil. He's not Daredevil. He got thrown in the water. He hates the water, but he just got right... He jumped right back into that building and beat up the bad guys. Good job, the Incredible Hulk. The Hulk did a pretty good job in this. I liked him. Honestly, I was very close with going with uh, Nighthawk as my best defender. He did a good job. It's weird to say it. The words feel wrong coming out of my mouth. But he took advantage somewhat uncharacteristically, of the fact that he gets stronger at night, and he busted out of this incredibly elaborate, like, restraining suit that he had been placed in, which was confusing, frankly. It seemed like that was well beyond the strength of two strong men, but good for him. And then he got out, and he beat up a bunch of bad guys. He stopped Ares from sucker-punching the Hulk again, and re-earned the Hulk's friendship. But I said I almost gave it to him. The thing that kept me from giving it to him is that he was the person who tricked Ares into punching Aquarius in the back when Aquarius was not involved in the fight at all. And it was specifically Nighthawk's plan to steer him into running into essentially an innocent bystander. So I could not give it to Nighthawk. Yep, that's terrible. The other thing to make note of is although... His escape from his shackles was impressive. It kind of looks like not only is he being contained, you know, in a he's shackled, but it's a very, very fancy toilet that he's on. And yeah. he strains, and he strains, and he strains, and then he just explodes the whole thing. And if you look at that panel, and you read it, you just imagine the mess that he made. Gotta strain! Keep straining! 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 Oh my goodness! Yes, it does look like he is toileting so hard that he breaks his bonds. And And he is very much in the crouched position when the whole room explodes due to his doing a good, good job straining. He pooped his way to freedom and god damn it, Corey, you convinced me Nighthawk is the best (laughs) defender. Uh, But he gets points deducted for installing the Creepo Cam. 
Oh, yeah. Boy. So, yeah, you're right. God damn it. I guess I'm taking it back away from him. It's Hellcat. Hellcat was great. She did a good job fighting. She was fighting out of her weight class when she was fighting uh, Leo. And she still emerged victorious at great personal risk. And even when injured, she managed to defeat her foe. So I'm going to go with Hellcat. In the face of a tough ditty, mm-hmm. she did a good job. She sure did. Yeah, Hellcat was great. Conversely, who was the worst offender? For not backing up all that big, big talk with big, big action, I went with Val. That's crazy to me. <laughs> I know. Val did a great job. She beat both of her opponents. It's not her fault that they wussed out and ran away. She's gotten best so many times that I have to hold her You're to, holding a, her to a, a higher standard. A very high standard. I... <sighs> She's like the opposite of Kyle. But, Corey, she used all those big words. And also, though, she did lose Dragon Fang. Yeah, okay. That was confusing to me. Super confusing. Like, halfway through, weird. she just starts picking up this weird piece of technology that I guess was lying around. It really seemed like Keith Giffen just wanted to draw her holding like a like super techno Kirby looking spear. It, it does look cool. It does look cool. And it goes with her new outfit maybe better than a medieval sword would. But I like Dragon Fang. Dragon Fang's cool. I can slice a bulldozer in half. You hang on to that thing. When I said she used big words, I was referring to this line specifically. She says, I will warn you but once, my feline foe. This Valkyrie does not fool around. And Leo responds, I don't believe you really said that, babe. Those are big words for a beautiful babe. Oh, he's so stupid. He's so stupid, and also none of those words is particularly big. I guess feline, maybe? But he's a Leo. He is not just a Leo, he's Leo. He doesn't know the word feline? He should know that word. He should know that word. Those are not particularly big words, and calling her babe twice is super creepy and just like, you're pretty, you can't know what words are. You're using all those big words like, um, fool around? He was the jerkiest yeah. of, of the bunch. Oh, by far. If I could give worst in show to that stupid cat, I would. Yeah. Best bad guy in this issue, Aquarius. Worst bad guy, yep. Leo. And Aquarius isn't I mean, he's just bad by association. He's yeah, he was a created party. to be a bad guy, but yeah, he's just like, he's chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, just, he's, just, he's not even chaotic neutral. He's thirsty neutral. Drinky neutral. Yeah. Every issue of a Defenders comic has a character who's just gotta be a sucker, who acts in a way contrary to their previously established character or motivation in a way that furthers the plot. To quote the Fat Boys from Crush Groove, They've just got to be a sucker. Mm. In this issue, who was your sucker? This was a toss-up for me. Val is a runner-up because, yeah, I'm just used to seeing her follow through. However, I was caught by such surprise with uh, Scorpio's uh, choice at the at the end yeah. of the comic. I didn't see it coming. And, you know, perhaps in retrospect that, you know, hubris is masking all of this pain and Mm -hmm. everything else and so it kind of makes sense but i didn't see it coming because he just seemed too egotistical to consider i wouldn't necessarily describe him as egotistical he's self-absorbed but it didn't seem to be from a place of thinking that he was wonderful i mean it was a narcissism without actual self-love that i feel like he had events throughout these comics but i 
can certainly understand it. I was certainly surprised when it got to that point. Narcissism without self-love. Yeah, that's a good way to say that sounds better. No, so, thanks. Still, I didn't expect it, and I yeah. was surprised, and yeah. Definitely was a surprise. Uh, I went with Jack Norris as my sucker. Hmm. There is a scene where he says, wait a minute, where do you think you're going? And the Nick Fury robot says, for a walk, Norris, I got a hunch Scorpio is going to need me. And Norris just says, but the robot says, don't get any ideas trying to stop me, chum, because you'll only get hurt. I got no beef with you. Just stay put and stay out of the way. And maybe you'll live through this thing. And Norris stays put and stays out of the way. That seems very out of character for Jack Norris. He yes. does later go and get Moon Knight, and that panel will come up later on. But yeah, it seemed really weird that he was just like, well, that guy told me uh, to stay put, so I guess I'm going to stay put. Biding my time till I can jump out and say, where's my wife? Yeah. Throughout the, the past few issues, Jack Norris has been acting in kind of a weird way. He previously had been kind of acting as Scorpio's, like, valet almost. He was carrying his bags around for him, and yes, Scorpio was like, strangling him some and stuff but even under duress being helpful and buttling whether it's for a hero or a villain seems very very out of character for for mr norris so that was why i had him as my sucker it's a good sucker thank you what was your favorite panel well i mean the page 16 and 17 poster i think goes without saying that it's just it is awesome. a full splash splash page of the defender's assembling and looking like they're just going to tear the place up. It is really, really cool looking. I liked that as well. The art in this is, it's very good, but it is sometimes inconsistent. And I think part of that is there were four different inkers working on this issue. Keith Giffen did some of his own inks, but then at the very end, just tagged in the credits, we also see that Mike Royer, who inked the last issue, did an assist on the inks. We see that John Tartaglioni did some of the inks. We see that Dave Cockrum did some of the inks. And uh, I really like all of those inkers. They're all very good inkers, but it doesn't necessarily make for the most cohesive book. Some panels look slightly different than others, but overall, very strong art, I think. Mm -hmm. I love that panel too. If I had to guess, I would say that that one is mostly Keith Giffen doing his own inks. But it is tough to tell because, yeah, I love Dave Cockrum's art too. He was... Uh, wonderful X-Men artist and uh, did the character design on the giant size X-Men, which I don't think he can get enough credit for. But this panel, I would say, is either Mike Royer or Giffen doing his own inks on this one. The opening panel, where it is the Hulk saying Scorpio must die, that is another one where I think that's one, that one is Giffen too, but that also might be Royer. I, I tend to just think the panels that look the curbiest tend mm -hmm. to be one of those two doing the inks. But, God, that is a beautiful panel. Yep, that was the other one that I had in my list, actually, was the splash with the Hulk's face. I, I really enjoyed those, and then there were a couple where I just liked what was happening in the panel so much. There's one where the Hulk is punching Taurus through the ceiling and making a mini-fridge explode. And it's one of those where it's kind of, you see the cutaway of what is happening on the upper floor and the lower floor. And then in a, a couple panels later, you see just a rain of beers falling down on his head. I loved that whole sequence. The one that I think cracked me up the most is when Jack Norris goes to Moon Knight and asks him for help and says, You gotta come! Scorpio is still on the loose! And there's also a robot! Come on! 
it really looks like Moon Knight is just rolling his eyes at Jack Norris so hard. Oh, it does, yeah. It really cracks me up. Like, he says, we gotta find him, Jack, fast! But I think that's because he knows that Jack Norris is behind him and can't see how hard he is rolling his eyes at him. Mm-hmm. That's a good eye roll. Yeah, that is really good. And now that you pointed out, I do also really, really like the panel where uh, Nighthawk is bathrooming so hard that the entire facility explodes. Yep, yep, page 10, toilet destruction. Mm-hmm. And that's the panels. Yep. Sartorially speaking, what fashion did you feel was noteworthy in this issue? I liked especially the costumes of Aquarius Mm -hmm. and also Cancer. They were good outfits. Mm -hmm. We've talked about them a little bit when we were discussing our uh, astrological expertise. Yep. Blue and gold. Mm Mm-hmm. Respectively. Yeah. Good looking robot suit Mm -hmm. on the Cancer. Yep. Crab robot. Jugger. Sharp. Not a sharp look. Mm -hmm. And then uh, snowboard action drinky Aquarius with the super soaker. Mm -hmm. We don't really have any civilians in this issue, which is where a lot of our uh, more timely fashion comes from. But I did appreciate the little touch setting Ares up in opposition to the Hulk because his outfit is in many ways the opposite of the Hulk. He has a tattered purple shirt Mm -hmm. instead of tattered purple pants, and then he has uh, well-maintained green pants. I noticed that as well. And I thought, oh, that's that's a fun touch. Mm -hmm. I like it. That's probably part of why uh, the Hulk is so pissed off at him. Mm. I mean, that and that he keeps, you know, headbutting him to the moon. That's the primary driver. I think a lot of the Hulk's anger is fashion-based. Just in general or just yeah. Aries? Yeah. I think people do not compliment him often enough on his unintentional purple shorts. They have never done that. No, and I would be angry about that too. In fact, Corey... They're not purple, but I'm wearing some very nice shorts, and you haven't said word one about it. Uh, <laughs> Hub smash! Uh uh-uh, uh uh. You're not a fan. You don't like my uh. You don't like my shorts. I don't like smashing. I don't. I I don't like having to smash. <laughs> it's not a real compliment if you have to ask for it. Fine. Hub smash. He really is wearing shorts, <laughs> y'all. Homemade, white shorts. That's all I got. They're not nice? (laughs) They're the nicest white homemade shorts I've ever seen. Thank you, Corey. Hub not smash. Okay. That was rough. Things got pretty tense there for a minute. Yeah, I could hear a pin drop. Yeah. Corey, we both know that the Hulk rules. In this issue, what were the Hulk's rules? This was a good one for for the Hulk's rules. Mm -hmm. He learned a lot, I think. I feel like he's kind of channeling a little bit of the old Ralph Waldo Emerson with the uh what's it what is the quote God will not see his works made manifest by cowards mm. meaning a fucking get off your butt go take action mm-hmm. but also really more importantly that that titles don't matter titles are unimportant and action is important I got that from page 17, because that's, again, uh, page 17, 16, 17 is that, that big spread with everybody attacking, and they're like, yeah, go team, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. And then Hulk, Hulk is, says, Hulk doesn't care about defenders, Hulk just wants to smash. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, I'm going to go do my thing. Just like Ralph Waldo Emerson would. Just like Ralph Waldo Emerson. I think there's there's a lot of, the, you know. A lot of similarities. 
that often get missed for some reason. Yeah, I don't understand it. I sometimes confuse Emerson and Thoreau. Mm-hmm. Which one of them smashed more? That was smashing was Emerson. Smashing is Emerson, right? Yeah. Thoreau. Well, see, he liked beans a lot. Oh, Thoreau liked beans. He did like the, the one of the main things I remember about reading Thoreau was that like, yeah, he had like that hermit cabin and shit. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people were always bringing him pies. Oh, yeah. I feel like there was a ton of stuff in Walden about just like, oh, my neighbor brought me a pie. Yeah, I feel like people concentrate a little bit too much on like the solitude and really not enough on having your neighbors just bring you baked goods i really think that should be the takeaway of a lot of walden Mm. just like the power of a neighbor's pie Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing it is yeah i mean i'd probably write some pretty good books if i had a lot of neighbors yeah if you had neighbors just bringing you pies all the time yeah fuck it you wouldn't need to really go out you could just sit there and sit there look at a fucking lake be like yeah that's a nice lake i like being by myself also getting these free pies not bad yeah nice work if you can get it thorough and that's the hoax rule have a neighbor bring you a pie no um that's not the i think the hoax takeaway from this issue is that sometimes A job half done is worse than a job not done. Scorpio activated his Zodiac machine before it was ready. He rushed himself, and because of that, three of his creations died on the operating table, essentially. And I think that's an important lesson. You need to have patience. If you are going to undertake an activity, make sure you have enough time to finish it. The metaphor that I like to use for that is... I can sleep on dirty sheets. I cannot sleep on wet sheets. So if you have to change the sheets on your bed, it seems like, oh, I'll do the first stage of that. I'll put them in the washing machine. Mm-hmm. But it has definitely happened to me where I have done that and then have come home at the end of the day and been like, oh, I'm so tired. I need to go to bed. And if I had not started that activity, I would be fine just going to bed on dirty sheets, wash, wash them in the morning. But... I'm like, shit, I can't go to bed for another hour because now I need to wait for them to go through the dryer. So sometimes a job half done is worse than a job not done. Or I can sleep on dirty sheets, but I can't sleep on wet sheets. And that's the Hulk's rule. Well, next birthday, I know what I'm getting you. Wet sheets? pair of new sheets. Oh! Because then you can just put those on. You don't have to stay up an hour when you're all tired. That's a good plan. Yeah. I was hoping maybe you were going to bring me a pie. Huh. That'd be also good. I can't. Then I can just sit by the lake, think about shit, and... Uh, wait for the sheets to be done. Wait for the sheets to be pie. done while I eat a pie. And then also think that uh, God doesn't like cowards doing his dirty work. What's the, what the Waldo quote? Uh, he says, uh, God will not see his works made manifest by cowards yeah that's what i said pretty much if we were to like synthesize the main thrust of what he's saying and what thoreau is saying it would be bring me a pie you coward well Corey, i have but one further question for you okay what's wrong with this picture ah in the month of our lord august and the year of our lord 1977 what was wrong with this picture? So, Strange, Dr. Strange, mm-hmm. was concerned. Oh, what was the cause of his concern? 
So Wong normally, you know, out doing his butlering type mm-hmm. duties and mm-hmm. everything else that he does, really kind of the glue that holds everything together, essentially had gone missing. Oh no. But he was in the house. What? And Is this a John Gennark situation? No, 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 no. What happened was on uh, August 3rd, when the, the uh, TRS-80 personal computer came out, people went nuts. Oh, yeah. Like, thousands of them placed orders, get their PCs. Wong was one of these people, as we often have discussed. He's a man of many talents, many mm-hmm. interests. Uh, engineering being a big one of them. A big one of them. However, it wasn't engineering that made him go missing. It was due to the fact that, along with his computer, he had also procured a copy of the colossal cave adventure text-based game. Oh! And he was just sitting in there... Trying to figure out how to go north. Trying to (laughs) figure out how to go north, what the fuck is going on, and... Typing, use key in door! Nothing worked, and he was like, I don't get it, I'm smart. (laughs) I've never been this stuck before, and he was getting really frustrated, and... Steve kept walking by his room and hearing his curses like he had never heard before. And he's like, okay, I got to do something to to get Wong out of his funk. He had noted earlier that the most excited Wong had been previously that month about anything had been uh, he he got this cool uh, EP that was Iggy Pop's um, Idiot produced by David Bowie. Mm. Big Iggy Pop fan. And um, Lust for Life, the LP, came out later that month, and so Strange went on down to the record store, got that, brought it home, put it on the hi-fi, turned up Lust for Life real loud, and then Wong realized, what am I doing, man? Sitting in this dark room with this stupid game that doesn't make any damn sense. It got up and just embraced life. Wow. Made a pie. (laughs) (laughs) Brought it to Thoreau. Brought it to Thoreau. (laughs) Nice. And that's what was Wong with that picture. I suppose so. And that was maybe one thing that was going wrong. But after he was brought out of his funk and he was hanging out with Steve, they maybe got back into that stash of strong Jamaican incense that they uh, had shared with Bill Walton a couple Mm -hmm. months ago. Right. And decided they needed to take in some different entertainment. So they went out to the cinema in Japan. What? Yeah, man. They can Uh, just go wherever they want. Yeah, man, being a Sorcerer Supreme uh, has its privileges. Mm -hmm. So they popped in there. There was a movie that Steve had heard about that he'd heard there was a Haunted House movie that was coming out. Mm. And he was like, it's probably about that one time when I fought that alien who was secretly a house that was in a different dimension. I bet they made a movie out of that and forgot to tell me about it. Let's go, Wong. So they went there and they watched the movie Houseu. Which is amazing. It is a crazy, surreal, bonkers movie. It it is extraordinary. I got the opportunity recently to see it on the big screen myself. And it really was one of those where it was like, Oh, yeah, a movie can just be a bunch of crazy stuff that happens. And that's rad. Mm. So that was kind of Wong's takeaway from the movie. He loved it. Stephen Strange, on the other hand, was like, That is garbage. What is going on? I don't even know which character was supposed to be me. I was so confused. Why would anyone like that movie? Wong, what what was that about? And Wong was like, no, no, no. That is the future of horror. I swear, man. And Steve's like, well, you know, there is a way that we can determine this once and for all. 
And so they traveled into the future to determine what, what the future of horror was. And uh, it turned out that they went to the mid-80s and they're like, oh, it's this Stephen King fellow. Mm. Mystery solved. They went back. Wong paid Steve his dollar because it was not the movie Haosu. Was groundbreaking, but perhaps not as influential as Wong had thought it might be. Mm-hmm. When they got back, Wong was hanging out with one of his buddies. Maybe still a little influenced by the strong Jamaican incense. And he's like, oh, I should look up. The, the, apparently the Stephen King's guy is going to be real hot shit. And he looked him up and he found that at the time he was, had written some, published some books under the name of uh, Bachman. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, man, Bachman guy's going to be fucking huge. Wait a minute. I know that guy. So he called his friend Randy Bachman and was like, dude, you're going to be the most famous author ever. And Randy Bachman of Bachman Turner Overdrive fame was like, sweet. Fuck you. He said his fuck yous to to Turner and Overdrive, who I'm assuming are the other two members of the band. That was my assumption, too. And uh, quit and broke up the band Bachman Turner Overdrive because he was assured that he was going to be the new face of horror. And uh, yeah, it turned out that uh, Wong was a little bit confused. It was Richard Bachman, not Randy Bachman. That was Stephen King's pen name. Whoopsie. That's what was Wong with this picture. I'll say. Broke up BTO. No more taking care of business for them. Mm. What an exciting month. Mm -hmm. So much cinema. So much culture, so much records, so... Video games, personal computers. Technology. Pies. Putting the key in the door facing northwest. Oh, I hated those. Move forward. Ugh. So frustrating. So frustrating. You know what isn't frustrating? Hmm. Our listeners, I think they're tops. I know you disagree, but I think they're great. (laughs) Don't put those words in my mouth, sir. I'm sorry. I think you guys are tops also yes sorry so mad great. i didn't compliment his shorts earlier they're jorts cory <laughs> yeah they're not shorts they're you jorts. Did a good good job thank you you're welcome um and thank you listeners <laughs> if you would like to get into touch with us you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com uh if you would like to follow us on facebook that's a thing you can do and we think it would be nice we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, that's a page that Lisa runs. And if you would like to donate monetarily to our cause, that cause being your entertainment, you can do so at patreon.com slash ttwasteland. You can give as much as you want, or as little as a dollar, or as much as a million dollars. And if you do, I will do a poetry slam. And what was the other thing I was going to do? I was, was going to go on tape. What, the poetry slam? Yep. Okay. Maybe put it on wax. But no, like video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a visual component of to course. it, too. Yeah. I was walking. Oh, no. Don't. That's just don't a little give taste. It away That's just for a free. little taste. It's a little taste for free. Sheesh. The rest, you got to pay a million dollars <laughs> to get the rest of that poem. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And they knew it.
So when he addresses Taurus, he says, I, I can do it. Okay, I'm <laughs> just, sorry. I'm just taking well, a, There's a relatively to, little evidence of that. I have to collect myself, <laughs> okay. sir. Okay. This is a, sobriety does not necessarily agree with you, Corey. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> As you've heard of state-dependent learning, right? Oh, uh-huh, no. Yeah, this is the Wait, first... you read this comic book when you were sober. Yeah, but all the other times <laughs> I wasn't. Fair enough. 